Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. People are crazy. Come on, aren't they? I mean, some of those people on there, they probably deserved some of the pain that they got, right? And isn't it true sometimes in our life, sometimes we just need a redo. Come on, anybody ever been there before? You just wish that, man, I wish I could back that up and I tried that, that didn't work. Let's just rewind it and kind of try it again. And that's what we've been talking about in this series that we started last week called Do Over. So everybody look at your neighbor, just tell them, Do Over. Do over. All of us experience it in life because here's what we discovered last week is that most of the time we don't get it right the first time. Come on, you know what I'm saying? It starts out when we're just little, like when we're little kids. We dedicate these kids to the Lord and you think about like first time you tried to walk, you probably didn't get it right the first time, but thankfully you got up and you took another step and you tried again. First time you tried to talk, maybe the words didn't come out exactly right the first time. In fact, we got a two-year-old at our house that we're discovering this as he's learning how to talk and stuff. And some of the words, it's just hilarious. Like he's gotten to that point where he doesn't like his diaper to be wet. So he'll come and tell you diaper, but he doesn't say diaper. He says bopper. I mean, it's awesome. I love that. And, and all of us are kind of like that. We have things in our lives that, I mean, from the very beginning, we would, we would try things and we don't get it right. But the good thing is you get back up and you try again. And here's the thing that carries with us all of our lives, doesn't it? Like we all have times when we have failed, times when we have fallen, times when we have messed up. And the good news that we learned last week and the good news, really the overarching theme of this whole series is that God is a God of second chances. How many are thankful for that? Like no matter how many times we mess it up, no matter how many times we blow it, no matter how many times we fail, he was always right there to give us another chance to pick us up, to give us a fresh start, a do over, a new life in him. And that is awesome. That is something worth getting excited about, right? But here's the deal. Even though Sometimes God gives us, all the time actually, God gives us a second chance. How many know sometimes it's a little harder for us to give ourselves a second chance? Even though we know that when we fail and when we blow it, that God's grace is big and he loves us and he wants to give us a fresh start. He has forgiven us. How many know sometimes it's difficult to forgive ourselves? You ever been there? I mean, here's the thing is we know that when God forgives us, the Bible tells us that he forgets, like he takes our sin, throws it into the sea of forgetfulness, that it is forgiven and it is forgotten. But for us, many times it's easy to receive the forgiveness, but it's not as easy to forget. Many times the failures and the faults and the sins, the issues of our life are permanently etched into our minds and into our hearts. And so one of the greatest things that holds us back from the do-over and the second chances and the fresh starts that God wants to give us in our lives is this thing we're going to talk about today, a thing called guilt. How many of you ever felt guilt before? Like, I know God has forgiven me, but I just can't seem to overcome it. There's this, there's this issue of shame and guilt and it keeps coming back that even though I know it is confessed and I know that, hey, I've given my life to Christ and yet continually I'm struggling with the memories etched in my mind of the failures and the faults of my past. 
In fact, some of you are here today and this, this is the story of your life. I mean, some of you, you've got some recurring sins. You've got some things, some habits, some addictions that, that maybe you've repented many times and you've asked God to forgive you. And each time you say, I'll never do it again. But then you find yourself falling back into that same pattern and slipping back into the same faults and the same sins and the guilt overwhelms you. You can't seem to overcome it. Maybe some of you are here today. Maybe, maybe it's some sexual things from your past. And maybe it was before you knew the Lord and you didn't know what you were doing. But now that you know the Lord, you bring all of that stuff from your past into your marriage or into your relationship now. And it's, and it's, it's causing issues there. And you're dealing with this guilt. And you know that you're forgiven. And you believe that God has forgiven you. But it's, it's causing you to be weighed down by the sin and the guilt of your past. Maybe some of you are here today. Maybe it's things that you said. Maybe, maybe you said some things that hurt some people that you love and in the moment you felt it but you didn't really mean it and yet now you can't take it back and you're dealing. Every day you wake up with that guilt of the pain that you caused to someone that you love. Maybe some of you it's your marriage. Like maybe some of you, your marriage ended in divorce and at the time you didn't realize it, but now you look back and you think, man, if I'd have just worked a little harder at it, if we'd have just gone to church a little more, if I'd have just prayed a little more, if I'd have just been a better husband or a better wife, if I'd have just done a little bit better, maybe we wouldn't have gotten divorced and you're carrying around this guilt and shame from all of that. Maybe some of your parents, you look at your kids you see some of the struggles that they're having. And when you see the struggles of their life, you think, if I'd have just been a better parent, if I would have just taught them better, if I would just, and all this guilt that just, that just heaps down on you. Some of you are living in this guilt. Some of you, it's the false guilt of things that have already been forgiven and yet they are weighing you down in life today. You can't seem to move forward in the fresh start that God has for you because you're stuck in the guilt and the shame of your past. Kind of reminds me of this guy that we're going to look at a little bit today. We, we've looked at him uh, quite a bit here lately, a guy named Peter. In fact, we're going to see his story. It's found in the book of Luke chapter 22 and verse 54. If you got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. And the thing about Peter is like Peter was, was a great man. God used him in big ways. He had some huge successes. I mean, he was one of the disciples. Not only was he one of the disciples, he was one of the inner circle in Jesus, like top three disciples. He was the guy that walked on water, the guy that Jesus said he was a rock. I mean, this dude had some good stuff, some big successes in his life. But if you look at him, not only did he have some major successes, like you got to admit, this guy also had some huge failures. He had some extreme highs, but he also had some really extreme lows. And I got to admit today, you know, I, I'm inspired by people who are successful, but sometimes I can relate a whole lot more to people who are failures. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes in the Bible, we talk about people who got it right. But I think sometimes like I like to hear about people who didn't get it right. It makes me feel better about myself. Am I the only one? And this is the way I feel about Peter a little bit in this story, because as many times as he got it right in this story, he really messed it up. In fact, just to set it up for you, Jesus has been, he's already been taken to be put on trial. He's going to be, he's going to be crucified. And the crowd is following Jesus as they are putting him on trial for sins that he did not commit. And this is where we pick up the story in Luke 22 and verse 54. It says, and then they seized Jesus and they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. And Peter followed 
at a distance. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. And a servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. And she looked closely at him and says, This man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, Also, you are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Put yourself in Peter's shoes for just a minute. Just imagine how he must have felt in that moment. He had told Jesus, Jesus, I'll never deny you. And Jesus said, no, no, no. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And here's Peter sitting by the fire. And he's denying that he even knows who Jesus is. And then suddenly the rooster crows in the background. Can you imagine the thoughts that must have flooded his mind? Can you imagine the feelings of guilt and shame? The one who's going to the cross is going to die for me. And I can't even admit that I know him. And he even said that I was going to do it. And I still did it like I'm such a failure. And can you imagine from that point on, every time a rooster crowed, can you imagine the guilt and the shame? Peter must have felt. It was, it was from that moment on a conditioned Reflex. You ever heard of that before? Conditioned reflexes. Some of you might remember from high school science class, there was a guy, a guy named Ivan Pavlov. You remember this guy? And this guy, like he was a Russian scientist and he was, he did all kinds of experiments and he was a psychologist. And so what he really wanted to find out is he wanted to find out if you could condition people to think things and condition their responses towards things. And so he did this experiment. You've heard of it before of, uh, he took dogs. And of course we know that dogs salivate whenever, you know, food is brought out. And he wanted to see, can I make them salivate without any food. And so what he did is he would bring the food and every time he'd bring the food, he would, he would ring the bell and then they would salivate and they would eat. And he did that several times to the point where they became so conditioned that instead of having to have food, he took the food away and all he had to do was ring the bell and their mouths would salivate. He called it a conditioned reflex that every time they rang the bell, they thought of certain things. And don't we all have that in our lives sometimes? Conditioned reflexes, like stuff that happens. Maybe it's a song comes on the radio and suddenly your mind goes back to that place, right? Maybe it's seasons and times of the year when the weather starts to change and it brings you back to a place. Maybe it's a smell that you smell. And when you smell that smell, I mean, your mind just suddenly goes back to that place when you first smelled that smell. And sometimes, man, sometimes it's good. Like, I mean, sometimes you smell that smell. It reminds you of your grandma's house at Christmas. That's good, right? A good conditioned reflex. But sometimes it's bad. Like sometimes things happen in life that bring us right back to that place of our greatest failure. You turn on the radio, the song comes up and it brings you right back to that place. You smell that smell. You, you're scrolling through your social media and the time hop comes up and you remember. And suddenly you're back in that place of guilt and shame once again. In fact, this is what the enemy wants to do. I mean, think about this. Like, let's talk about guilt for a second. If we're going to talk about it. First of all, we have to acknowledge that sometimes guilt is good. 
Isn't it true? I mean, sometimes it's the feeling of feeling guilt that actually causes us not to do the thing that would be bad for us, right? And so that's good. In fact, a lot of us, we call that our conscience. But what it really is, we know by the scripture, that is the conviction of the Holy Spirit, right? God puts that in our lives. But then there's another side of guilt that is, that is not good. It's harmful. It comes from the enemy. It's actually what the scripture would call condemnation. Everybody say condemnation condemnation. It's when sins of our past have already been confessed and forgiven, but the enemy continues to bring it back up in our life to heap guilt and shame upon us. In fact, this is the devil's job. It's what he does. Bible talks about how he roars like a roaring lion, and that's true. He does do that, but I think sometimes he's like a crowing rooster. He likes to bring back all the stuff. The Bible calls him the accuser. And he likes to bring back, you may have been forgiven, you may have confessed and moved forward, but he wants to bring you back to that place of your worst failures to keep you from moving forward in the greatness that God has for your life. So what do we do about guilt? How do we, how do we get past our guilt so that we can have the fresh start that God wants us to have? Well, I think we got to remember three things. If you're taking notes, you got to write them down today. The first one is this. If you're dealing with guilt today, you've got to remember that your biggest sin is not bigger than God's grace. Come on, how many are excited about that today? It don't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter how bad it is. Even your worst sin, your worst fault, your worst failure is not too big for the grace of God. And we see this illustrated in this story. Check this out in Luke chapter 22. It talks about here, here's Peter and, and son, suddenly someone comes and says, weren't you the guy? And he says, I'm not the guy. And in verse number 61, it says in that moment, look what happens. The Lord turned and look what it did. Look, look what it says. The Lord turned and looked straight at him. Now you could miss that if you're not careful. He looked right at him. In the midst of his sin, in the midst of his worst failure, Here's Jesus makes eye contact. I mean, there's something powerful about eye contact, isn't there? Like, I mean, there's a connection that can be made. You can say a whole lot without even saying anything just by a look, right? In fact, why don't you just look at your neighbor, just make eye contact with them. Come on, make, make good eye. Some of y'all are making a connection right now. You're going to get married, you're going to have kids. We're going to dedicate them. You're going to name them after me. Thank, you're welcome. You're welcome. I think so. Because there's something about that, isn't it? Like, eye contact. I don't even have to say anything. Like, I can, like with my kids, when they're acting up in church, I don't even have to say no. I just give them a look. You know what I'm saying? Like, those of you parents, you know what I'm talking about. When you want the real truth from your kids, what do you say? Look me in the eye, because it's hard to tell me there's something wrong in the eye. Right? Or maybe with your, lo- with your person that you love. When you first, you know, first getting together, and oh, you just gaze into one another's eyes, and you just lose yourself. And, Come on, you know. <laughs> Hours go by, you know. You ever avoided eye contact? Like, I'm guilty, I know, and I don't want them to know, or I was talking about them, and I think they're going to know just because eye contact. You know what I'm saying, right? And here's Jesus in the moment, I mean, here's Peter in the moment of his greatest failure. And what does Jesus do? He makes eye contact. And I don't, I don't think it was the evil eye, you know? I think what it was, was it was a look in a moment where where, where Jesus was able to make a connection with, Jesus, with Peter in that, in that worst moment of his life that he looked at him and he, I think he was saying, I see you. Like, I see what you did even. And I still love you. 
And I don't see you by what you did. I see you by who I am and by who you are. And I want you to know right now, you're crying. You're weeping bitterly because of the guilt and the shame of the sin of the thing that you did. But I want you to know, even in my worst moment, Jesus is about to carry a cross. And even in my worst moment, I want you to know, Peter, I haven't given up on you. You may feel like giving up on yourself, but your sin, even your greatest sin, and it was a big one for, for Peter, but even your biggest sin is not beyond my great grace for your life. Some of you are here, this is what you need to hear, that Jesus is looking at you, and yes, he sees your sin, but he also sees his grace covering all of your sin. He sees you for who he made you to be. And there is no sin that is beyond his forgiveness and his grace. The Bible says it like this in Romans 8 and verse 1, that there is what? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Your greatest sin is not beyond God's grace. Number two, write this one down. Here's what you need to remember. If you're dealing with guilt today, you need to remember this, that you are not what you did. You are who God says you are. See, here's what happens with guilt. Here's what the enemy likes to do. He likes to come in and he likes to throw it in your face. And the way that he likes to throw it in your face is he likes to personalize it. He doesn't just tell you what you did. He wants you to be labeled by what you did. In fact, he wants to say, hey, you failed. You know what that means? You're a failure. You sinned. You know what that is? Now you're a sinner. Like you, you did bad. So that means you are bad. Right. And this is what the enemy does. Imagine this is what he must have done for Peter. Can you imagine as he's there and he's dealing with the guilt of what he had just done and it washes over him? Can you imagine as the enemy is saying, who do you think you are? You call yourself a disciple. You can't even tell people that, you know, Jesus, you think you're going to make a difference and be a fisher of men. You can't even and you can't even you can't even stand up in front of a teenage girl sitting by the fire and say you even know who and he's about to die for you. And you can't even stand up for him. Who do you think? you Can you imagine the guilt? that the enemy must have heaped upon Peter's life. And in that moment, Peter had to make a decision. What was he going to listen to? Was he going to listen to what the enemy said about him or was he going to listen to what Jesus had said about him? And what did Jesus say about him? We know his name was Simon. You know what Simon meant? It meant little pebble. You know what Jesus said about him? Jesus said, you're no longer Simon, little pebble. Here's what you are. You are rock. Do you smell what I'm cooking? Come on. Well, something like that. (laughs) He said, I'm calling you a rock. You think, man, he didn't seem much like a rock. Like in that moment, he's a lot more like a little dirt clod. You know what I'm saying? Like just the, just the slightest bit of pressure and he crumbled. And yet Jesus didn't call him for what he did. He called him for who he would become. He didn't label him by his failure. He named him by his future. And the truth is, some of you are here today and the enemy's trying to tell you, man, you're this or that. You're, you're an adulterer because you, you had adultery. You're, man, you're an addict because you've been addicted. You're, you're a failure because you messed up. You're a divorcee because you've been divorced. And the enemy wants to bring all of that condemnation upon you and call you by what you did. But you've got to decide today, I'm not going to go by what, what the enemy says about me. I'm going to go by what God says about me and who he says I am. And even though the enemy says 
I'm a failure. Even though the enemy says I'm an addict, I know that God says I am a child of God. I know that the word says I am a royal priesthood and a holy nation. I know that God says that I am a friend of Jesus. I am a saint. I'm God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Come on, I'm going to get excited. I am the temple of God. I am the righteousness of Christ. I am an heir to the kingdom of God. I am a a citizen of heaven. I am forgiven. I am redeemed. I am set free. God has given me new life. You got to decide. Come on, somebody. I'll get excited even if y'all don't. Because so many of you far too long, you've been going by what the enemy has tried to label you. You know what the scripture says? The scripture says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You may have messed up in the past, but if you are in Christ, if you have accepted him as your savior and you're walking in that, then guess what? You are not what the enemy says about you. You are what God says about you. You are not what you did. You are who Jesus says you are. There's no sin that's too great for his grace. You're not what you did. You're who God says you are. Number three, write this one down. You got to understand, you may not be able to go back and change the past, but Jesus can change your future. Come on, that's something to get excited about today. Because the truth is, man, you can't go back. And it don't matter how much you beat yourself up. It don't matter how much you, you, you say, man, and heap guilt and condemnation on your, on your life. Guess what? It don't matter. None of that's ever going to go back and change what you did. You did what you did and, it, and you did it. It's there. It's gone, right? No time machine can take you back. But here's the good news. Even though you can't go back and change the past, Jesus can give you a do-over today. And you can start afresh and anew. In fact, I like what one guy said. He said, every, every saint has a past. And isn't that true? We all do. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. Every saint has a past. But here's the good news. Every sinner has a future through Jesus. And it don't matter what you did. It don't matter how you messed up. When you give your life to him, you can't change what you did. But Jesus can change the future for you if you'll just trust him. That's what I love about this story with Peter. And Peter was about ready to give up. I mean, Jesus said, now he's gone to the cross. He's in the tomb. We know the story. He rose on the third day, 40 days until his ascension. But in the, in the meantime, what is Peter doing? He's giving up. In fact, he says, I'm going to go fishing. <laughs> that sounds kind of funny because the way we think of fishing, but there's really more depth to it than you think. Because why was Peter going back to go fishing? Is That's what he knew. It's what he was before he followed Jesus. He was a fisherman. And so basically in saying that statement, basically Peter was saying, I'm a terrible disciple and terrible follower of Jesus. So I'm going to go back to the thing I knew before. And isn't that what we do when, when guilt is heaped upon our life? I've messed up. And so now God's plan is messed up for me. I can't overcome it. So I'm just going to, I might as well just give up and go back and do the stuff I did before. And that's what gets us in the same cycles, in the same patterns over and over. And this is the enemy. This is what he wants to do. Put the guilt on your life so that you give up on the plan and the purpose that God has for your life. And here's Peter. I'll just go back and go fishing. And what does Jesus do? He's only got 40 more days left on the planet before he goes to sit at the right hand of the Father. And what does he do during that time? He goes and finds Peter. And what's Peter? He's out on the fishing boat. And what does Jesus do? The Bible says in John chapter 21 that Jesus builds a fire, cooks breakfast, calls Peter over, and has this incredible conversation. We see it in John chapter 21 verse 15. Jesus says to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these And Simon says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, then feed my lambs. 
Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answers, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, take care of my sheep. The third time he says to him, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. Now think about it. This is a weird conversation. All right. You got to think about it. The frustration that Peter must have felt like I'm already feeling guilty. And now Jesus, you're coming and you're asking me not just once, but three times. Like, it's like, are you trying to heap it down on me? What I did. And I mean, he gets a little frustrated, but I think there's more to it than, than just that. Why did he ask him three times? Do you love me? Think about it. How many times did Peter deny him? Three times. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was saying, hey, I saw you and I know. And here's what I want you to know. Every single time you failed three times. And guess what? I've forgiven you three times. And not only have I forgiven you the three times, you look at the conversation and what happens? Feed my lambs. What are you talking about? He's talking about, I've got a purpose for you that the church is going to be built through you. And so not only have I forgiven you three times for the three times that you mess it up, not only that, but my grace is not just to give you forgiveness. My grace is to give you freedom. My grace is even to give you a purpose to live in that you can have a do-over that starts today and then begin to live in the purpose that I have for you. Maybe Jesus was trying to recondition him a little bit and give him a new conditioned reflex. I mean, you think about it. Where was he at when all this happened? Setting by a fire. Why was he setting by a fire? I think it's because where was Peter when he denied the Lord? Setting by a fire. Imagine the thoughts that must come in his mind. You know what it smells like sitting by a campfire. Every time he smelled that smell, take me back to the time when I failed Jesus the most. And Jesus goes, hey, hey, you know what? That smell now is going to be a new thing. Instead of, instead of every time you smell that, you remember what you did. Here's what you're going to do. Every time you smell that, you're going to remember what I did for you. Instead of every time you smell that, you're going to remember your failure. Here's what you're going to do. Every time you smell it, you're going to remember your future. Every time you smell it, instead of thinking about your guilt, here's what you're going to think about. You're going to think about my grace that I have for you. Man, there's depth to this. Not even, not even just that. Think about this. When was all this happening? You go back and you look in John chapter 21. It says, very early in the morning. What happens early in the morning? Y'all are a little slow. Help me out. Rooster's crow. So it's very likely that in that moment, sitting by that fire, as he asked him three times, three times he failed, three times he asked him, smelling the smoke, in the background, rooster crows. You know what Jesus was doing? Jesus was saying, from now on, every time you hear that rooster, instead of thinking about what you did, instead of feeling guilt, instead of feeling shame, you're going to have gratitude. For what I have done, my grace, I took your mess up and I'm turning it around and using it for a message. And God wants to do that for every single one of you today. How do we receive this? Three things, write it down. Number one, you just got to admit it. Everybody say admit it. Here's where it starts. Here's where freedom starts by admitting. Here's what the scripture says about it. It says in Proverbs Proverbs 28, 13, if you hide your sins, you will not succeed. But if you confess and reject them, you will what? You will receive mercy. Come on, guys, before we can ever move forward, we got to decide. I'm going to admit, I'm going to stop hiding it. Stop acting like I didn't do anything. I'm going to come out and say, I did it. I messed up. Guys, before you can manage something, you got to own it. You got to decide, man, I'm going to come out and hey, I admit it. In fact, the scripture says it like this in Psalm 32 and verse 5. David says, finally, I confess all my sins. I've been holding it back. But finally, 
I confess all my sins to you. I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. And then look what happens. And all my guilt is gone. That's where it starts. Admit it. What do you do after that? Just ask God to forgive it. That's easy. I admit, I I failed. I messed up. God, please forgive me. You know what the scripture says in 1 John 1, 9? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Can I tell you guys, your forgiveness is not dependent on your faithfulness because we would never be faithful enough to receive it. You know what your forgiveness is dependent upon? It's dependent on his faithfulness. He is faithful and just and will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Third thing you just do is you just accept it. Everybody say accept it. Accept it and move on. I can't change it. I messed up, but I can accept the forgiveness and the grace that God wants to give me. And his grace is not just for forgiveness. His grace, there's another side of that. There's a power from his grace to live in freedom, but I got to settle it in my heart. In fact, I love the way the scripture says in Isaiah 1 and verse 18, come now, let us what? Say these words. Everybody say it. Let us settle the matter says the Lord, though your sins were like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they were red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Here's what God says. You got to settle it in your heart. My forgiveness is there. My grace is there. My mercy is there. If you have confessed it, I have, I have forgiven it and I have forgotten it. And so now it's time for you to settle it in your hearts. There's no sin that's too great for his grace. I am not what I did. I am what God says that I am. And even though I messed it up in the past, that does not nullify me from the hope and the future that God has for my life. And I settle it. Some of you right now, this is, this is the key point of the whole message. You got to settle the issue. You know it. But you got to decide it. I can't settle it for you. You got to get in your heart. I know what God has done for me, and I receive it. And I'm going to start today. Walk in His forgiveness, but not just in His forgiveness. I'm going to walk in His freedom that He has for me.